If I didn't meet you before, my name is Aaron again. Would love to do so. I'm excited to jump in with you today as we finish up a series here, sort of at the end of the year called Moments of Wonder. Uh, if you've been with us for a couple weeks, we've been really digging into that series, and uh, next week we're going to start a brand new one. So really excited about that. Um, if you have missed any of these, I'd encourage you to catch up. It's been really awesome. You can do that through our app. It's on our website, and we also have a podcast as well. You can catch up on this series. It's been really awesome. One of the things we've been looking at are these moments of wonder in our lives, and we've really been looking at the story of the birth of Jesus, and we've all probably read that before. We've heard it uh, maybe a lot of times, and so we kind of looked at it from a couple different ways. Uh, one of the things we said was, you know, if we, if we believe in Jesus, we have a relationship with him, it would be a new way to kind of look at the Christmas story uh, through the individuals that were involved in it. So we took the time to kind of walk through and see, you know, what, were, what was going on with Mary and Joseph. We looked at the shepherds. We looked at the magi. Uh, we looked at a lot of different angles of the story there. Um, and so the other thing we said was, man, if we, if maybe if we don't have a relationship with Jesus, we're just kind of investigating all this. We're not really sure where we are with that. Uh, we can actually look at this story of the birth of Jesus in the moments of wonder and kind of just look at the humanity of it and kind of the grittiness that was going on, uh, the people that God used, uh, the things that he did with these people that were seemingly kind of normal, had normal lives that were interrupted by these things, and uh, the hope that it can really bring to our lives so that it could uh, have a huge impact on our lives. So we were kind of viewing it a couple different ways. So we looked at uh, a bunch of different stories in there. I was personally challenged um, a lot by some of the decisions that people made to follow Jesus when they were interrupted in their life by him. They were kind of going on their own trajectory. They kind of had their own plans, their expectations. You know, you just take Mary and Joseph, for example, right? They're like, we're going to get married. We're going to do the census thing. You know, they probably had their honeymoon all planned out. Uh, they had the camel rented. They were like, they were ready to go, right? They had the, I don't know if they glamped back then or what they did, but they were like, they were ready. And, and seemingly when they were going along this plan, they were kind of interrupted by God. And they were probably stepping back saying, man, I wonder what is God doing? Because I'm a, if, I, if I say yes to what God is doing and I start to latch onto this, I'm essentially volunteering to kind of wreck my own life, right? It meant a lot of different things for them that you can listen to all the specifics of in the series, uh, but they were, they were really interrupted by what God was doing. They were probably wondering, uh, asking some questions, what in the world does God actually have planned? And what we started to see through the stories that we looked at was that they were able later on, when they looked at what God was doing, they started to walk through that process, they were actually able to stand back and wonder and say, wow, look what God has done or look what God is doing and be a part of that. So we all have that same invitation as we look at our lives. Uh, God has invited us and uh, we have the opportunity to kind of latch onto that. It can be scary. We have moments where we wonder what God is doing, wonder why he would allow some things to happen. Um, but it's all along the part of that process where we look and say, later on uh, when we stand and look and say, wow, we can stand and wonder of what God has done. So that's kind of what this series is all about. And you're probably wondering, hey, Aaron, um, Christmas, was, Christmas was last week. It's over now. What part of the nativity are you going to talk about? Are we going to like the sheep here? Are we going to like start with animals? Is this going to get weird? Don't worry. I didn't make anyone up for the nativity. Nothing like that. All right. Um, what I want to look at is the story of Simeon. And you may have heard of him. You may have not. He actually, his story is very short in the Bible, right? It's good for me because I'm short. Um, when, when, you look at, when you look at the story of Simeon, it's right after the Christmas story. So if your family reads from Luke 2 or uh, maybe your church on Christmas Eve, they read from Luke 2, it's right after that. So you may have never read it before, all right? I would never fault you for that. Or you may have like, oh yeah, Simeon, that guy. 
He, I think he had a couple of verses in there, right? Seemingly kind of, we could wash over it really easily. But I think we have some awesome things to learn here from Simeon. And, you know, while I was studying this, I kind of became a Simeon fan. All right, I'm not wearing a jersey or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not going to change my name. All right, my wife said no to that. So, but I became a kind of a Simeon fan. I was like, why wasn't Simeon in the nativity scene, man? Like, what in the world? We're going to look at this story. Uh, but when, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, Simeon, he, like, he had this promise from God, and he was like, wait, he couldn't die until he saw the Savior. Like, he wasn't allowed. Like, that was the promise. Hey, man, you might get really old until you see the Savior. Like, you, you can't die. And it seems less of a promise and more of like, what a weird thing to say to someone. And so Simeon walked through this and he uh, went from moments of wonder to a moment of wonder. And I think it's really awesome. And I think he should be in the nativity, all right? I'm just saying. All right, so we can take a vote on that later. But I think uh, this is part of that. And it's, it's going to be a fun story to look at here. As short as this story is, there's actually kind of a few important details packed in there that we can look at that I think can be kind of life-changing for us. So we're going to look at this, uh, this Moments of Wonder series as we close it out here, and I want to kind of bridge us into the next series. So I'm going to start talking about Moments of Wonder, and then you're going to hear me kind of shift into that next one, and uh, you know, just just buckle up, because sometimes I talk fast, all right? I'm sorry. Uh, I'll try to slow it down for you, but I want to start in Luke chapter 2, so if you want to turn there with me, you can. Um, You can uh, turn your Bible, you can go on your phone, whatever you want to do, and I'll also have it on the screen, so you can read it if you want. Um, Luke 2 chapter 22 is where we're going to start, so really, seriously, right after, uh, maybe on the same page at the bottom of the Christmas story, Um, and this will be a fun one to read here. So let's look and see what this says. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So Mary and Joseph, essentially what they're doing here, right, they've come out of the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, and they're kind of going into like normal parent stuff now, right? But back then in the, the religious practices and the law, one of the things you did was take your firstborn son of the temple to be consecrated to the Lord, right? So look at it as like, man, you had your baby, you made it home through that car ride, and now you're like going to the first doctor's point. You probably don't really have any idea what you're doing, but you're doing it, and you're doing it together. It's great. Everyone's happy, probably not, maybe crying. But uh, that's what's happening, right? They're going to the temple. They're kind of doing what everyone does with their firstborn son. So there was a, uh, here's what it goes on to say. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, who was Jesus, by the way, when we talk about Jesus the Savior being born, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you had promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, and the glory of your people, Israel, the chosen nation. The child's father and mother marveled at what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. A sword will pierce your soul too. So we see this story start to unfold here, and that, that is the story. That's it. That's all we get right there in that package. 
And you're like, that's not a lot of description for all the stuff that's going on there, right? So you're like, let me get this straight. So they showed up to the temple. Simeon, this old crazy guy, came out of nowhere and like lifted their child Lion King style and praised God for it, right? And he, and then he said some things that were maybe prophetic and Mary and Joseph, instead of like calling for help, they were amazed, right? I think there was more there. But here, here's what's going on. This is really, really awesome because Simeon, Right, he received this promise. What we do see from this is that we don't know that Simeon, how old he was exactly. Uh, we don't know how old he was when he got the promise either. Uh, but we assume that he was pretty old from this. Most people uh, think that he was around 100 years old because he says, now I can die. Right? He's, he's been waiting a long time for this. And when we look at Simeon and his story, not only was he, was he, uh, was he um, has this, not only did he have this promise, right? He was waiting for it, right? He was prompted by the Lord to go. He was excited about it, right? He wasn't like, oh, I got this promise keeping me alive. Like, just let me go, right? He was excited about it. And one thing I want to point out too is when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus here, when they got into the temple, when it says that they marveled at it too, they were still learning about the story of Jesus. See, Jesus was very new, right? He was a baby. He was just born. Mary and Joseph knew that he was very special. They didn't know a lot of details, much like Simeon's story, when we look, he didn't know a lot of details either. But he knew some things that Mary and Joseph didn't know. So when they came together, Simeon is having his moment of wonder where he's looking and saying, oh my gosh, the Messiah is here. This is Jesus, the one I was told about. I can die in peace now. And not only that, the Lord's promise was true. And Mary and Joseph are saying, well, we didn't know he was going to do all those things you just said. This is awesome. Look what God is doing. Right? So there's this kind of culmination of moments of wonder. And it's really awesome. We don't, we don't learn a lot about Simeon, right? We, we, he's a normal guy. There's nothing here to show us that he was a, a religious leader or a highly sought-after person um, or that he was from some special lineage, right? It was just Simeon, and he had a promise. And I love that about it, that he was, a, he was a normal guy with a promise from the Lord. And so as we're going through all of this, and this story ends pretty quick, right? He, he goes and sees the Savior, and the special thing about Jesus in this time was that he was for all people, Right, previously, as God interacted with Israel, right, most of his promises were specific to the nation of Israel. And now Jesus was starting to bridge the gap between all of those people. So this was a big deal. And back in the beginning of our series, as we started looking at all of this, we also learned that a lot of people from the nation of Israel, a lot of people who had been awaiting this Messiah, had kind of forgotten about it. It had been some time. They weren't really sharp. They weren't really looking and excited for it when Jesus actually came. So Simeon was kind of a different person from the rest of the people that we saw around this story. So that's kind of some of the background there. So that's what's going on. This has big implications, right? This means that not only do the Jewish people have access to Jesus, now everyone, right, the Gentiles, everyone else have access to Jesus who is going to save them, right? He's a savior. He's the Messiah, so this is a big deal. And Simeon, for whatever reason, was chosen to have this promise given to him. We don't know why, but there's a couple of things that we do see here that I think are really, really important. One of the things, Simeon was given this promise. And I, I'm sure he had some moments of wonder, right? As he was aging and maybe people came and passed by, he was probably like the crazy guy. Oh, there's that guy that thinks he's not going to die until he sees the Savior, we've given up on that, right? Like maybe he was the old kooky guy in the porch that they like tried to scare. I don't know what was going on, but he probably had some moments where he's like, hey God, I'm about 100 now and there's not much left for me, right? Like I just, I don't know what I do when I'm 100. I can't go play basketball, right? I can barely go for a while. Like I don't know how he was doing physically, but he's probably starting to wonder. Throughout his life, he probably had some people tell him that he was crazy, I'm sure, 
what do you mean you're not going to die until a Savior comes? Like, who, why would God tell you that? What purpose is that? Right, I'm sure Simeon, right, if you think about the humanity of that situation, put yourself in those shoes. Someone comes and tells you, hey, just want to let you know you're not going to die until this baby's born. Not going to tell you when it is, by the way. You're just not going to die till then. And you, I would be left scratching my head thinking, well, there goes my plan, right? Like I wanted to, you know, I had a plan in order. But Simeon, right, he probably had some moments where he was wondering what was going on. But what Simeon had was a promise that drove his life. Simeon had a promise that drove his life. Think about this. When, when you have a promise that drives your life or you latch onto something that drives your life, what happens? You start to make your decisions through the lens of that promise. Let me give you an example. This showed up in my life when I was uh, getting towards the end of high school. Everyone starts to ask you that magical question. So what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I remember being in high school and people are asking me, what are, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go to school? I'm like, Am I allowed to say that I don't want to go to school? Like, that was not a thing, apparently. And so they're like, well, what do you want to do? Because, you know, you, gotta, you, you want to have a financial security here in a couple of years, and you want to have a degree so you can have, like, a stable life. And you want to, you know, you, if you're planning on marrying that girl, you, you might want to, like, you know, figure it out. And I'm, like, terrified because I'm like, I don't plan anything. I'm like, I just kind of go where the wind blows me. That was me in high school. I'm like, everybody's like, hey, we're going to do this thing. I'm like, sure. And everybody's like, hey, now we're going to, I'm like, sure. I planned nothing, right? Like I just did whatever. And so I was a weirdo. Anyway, so I didn't plan anything. And so I remember, I'm like, well, should I like latch onto this? Because people keep asking me, maybe I should just tell them something so that like, for one, my parents quit asking me and worrying about me. I'm pretty sure my parents are going like, yeah, if you could just pray for Aaron, uh, we're afraid n- nothing's going to happen with him. So I don't know what was going on, but they were scared for me. People were frightened because I had make no decisions. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to tell them something. I'm going to latch on to this promise that, you know, this promise is this. If I go to school, if I get a degree and I get a job, my life will be on a good trajectory, right? I'll have financial security. I'll have a purpose, all this stuff. I was like, okay. So I told people, I'm going to pursue criminal justice and psychology, double major because my grades definitely supported that decision. So I was like, <laughs> and my parents were kind of like, okay. So I, I decided that because I was like, I like police work and I had visited the White House in eighth grade and I was like, Secret Service is cool. Little did I know that I had not worked nearly hard enough to achieve any of those things in my lifetime, even if I went back and did high school again. So that's what I decided. And I went on one college visit um, because I, that's how I did things. I went on one college visit. They had a Chick-fil-A in their meal plan, and the girl-to-guy ratio was 4 to 1, and you only needed an 18 on your ACT. So I was like, sounds good to me. All right, so if the high school girlfriend doesn't work out, at least I'll eat well, and there's plenty of other girls here that I can you know, find a wife or something, maybe, whatever. Anyway, so that was my decision-making process. And I went to school there, and quickly, like the next year, I realized, um, I, Aaron can't do this. Like, not only is it way too much money, uh, or I don't even know where the money's coming from. I hadn't even considered that, right? My dad was just helping me out with stuff. My dad's like a financial planner, so he probably had a plan. I was just like, one day I was like, this costs money? I'm like, what? So I, I started doing this, but what was happening is I had latched onto this promise, right? That if I did this thing, it would produce this result. Like, and my life was starting to be driven through that decision, that promise that if I do this, right? And so I started to make decisions that I, I don't know why I was making them, but I did it. And long story short, right, I came to a place in my life where I realized, what promise am I latching on to here? And, and I think that's, 
that's the question that I kind of want to present to us because uh, I, I want to ask what promise are we latched onto? I think it's an important thing for us to consider because we see like the life of Simeon and we see these other people, their promise that they have, that they're letting drive their life is the promise that Jesus gave them, right? Simeon, and, and most of these people were interrupted by the way, right? They were like doing their own thing and, and it was, they intersected with what Jesus was doing. They were interrupted and they had a choice of what promise they were going to latch onto. And I think the same is true for us, right? We all have a promise we can latch onto. There's many available to us. There's plenty that people will tell you about and you can give answers for, but we all choose something, whether we do that methodically or not, we choose something. That's how we start to make our decisions. So I want to ask us today, what promise drives our life? Because here's the thing, you know, uh, God gave Simeon a, a, a promise, and, you know, we're, we're like Simeon in a lot of ways. One, we're created by God. Two, we're pretty, like, normal people. Many of you are probably more well-to-do than I am. But anyways, like, you know what I mean? Like, you had good grades maybe on your report card one year. I didn't even have that. And what, when we look at Simeon, right, God actually gives us a promise that can drive our lives also. Right, when we're looking at this idea of a relationship with Jesus and we start thinking about that, God actually offers that to us as well. He offered Simeon a promise that could drive his life. It probably influenced, like, well, I can't leave now, right? Well, I can't, like, I can't just do whatever I was doing before. I have to wait. Like, I'm not able to die until I see this kid, so I definitely don't want to miss the baby, right? For some reason, I kept thinking of Baby Yoda this week. I don't know. But anyways, I was like, I was thinking, and has anyone watched Mandalorian? Just me? Okay. And I was, I was going, and I was thinking, like, he, like, he can't, it influenced all of his life. He had to choose things based on that. If he was going to let that promise drive his life, it determined what he was doing. I don't know if he bought a house close to the temple or he just had his, like, his eyes peeled all the time. I don't know if he was like seeking out, like looking for the Messiah. I don't know, but it influenced his life enough to where he got to the point where he was old enough and, and the Lord prompted him to go to the temple and he went. Now, if there was any span of time there, whether it was 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, I don't know. That's a long time to be attentive to a promise and let it drive your life. So there are probably decisions to be made. There was family things happening all of that going on. So the question is, what promise drives our life? And I think that's a good one because when we look at the Bible, when we look at what Jesus offers us, he offers us something pretty specific. But what I love about it is it's similar to Simeon's story in a couple of ways. Uh, the Bible, when we look at it, isn't a whole book of qualifications and like stuff you have to do in order to, to latch onto God's promise. It's actually a bunch of stories of people who latched on to God's promise. And a lot of them are like Simeon's where there wasn't a lot of details that God found super important. Uh, one was that you love God, that you know him, you trust him, right? Because he's presenting you with this kind of crazy promise. The other one, we see that Simeon, one of the things commented on out of anything they could have mentioned, they mentioned his spiritual condition. They said he was righteous and devout. That's like a, probably a pretty good compliment, right? I would love to have that associated with me. But those were the things that were mentioned, right? That he had a promise from God and his spiritual condition. I think for us, that's the things that we have to consider as well. We have a promise from God, right? God looks at us and says, hey, I created you. I'm God, right? I, I'm all powerful, all these things, and I love you. I created you, right? There's sin in our world. There are things that are not right, not as God intended, that have separated us from him. And his promise is that if we acknowledge him as God, we accept the forgiveness of our sins, Right, he will start to guide our life. And the, and the promise is not a prosperity thing. Right? That's where we can kind of go wrong. It's not that, man, if I latch on to this promise of God, everything's going to go fine. I'm going to have health, wealth, and happiness, and it'll be nice. That's not 
what he's talking about, right? We, we look back in some of the stories we've tackled in this Moments of Wonder series, their life, if anything, got harder, right? Mary and Joseph are like became this scandalous relationship, right? To the point where like Mary's life was in jeopardy, right? There were lots of things happening. That promise kind of jeopardized their life in a lot of ways. So when we latch onto a promise, right? And if, if it is God's promise and it starts to drive our life, what does that start to look like? Because here's the alternative. When we latch onto other things, maybe we've tried that before and we're frustrated with it, we're stuck in it, and maybe we don't really like it, but it's just, it's comfortable, it's what we've done, and that's where we are. We're letting this promise of something else drive our lives, and we feel kind of stuck there. So this is where I kind of want to bridge us into the next uh, series that we're going to be doing, and I'll explain a little bit, but really we're going to tackle some of these conversations of like, what are the other promises that we could latch onto? Right? What are some of the things that are easy to latch onto, or even the things that if we follow Jesus already, and that is the promise, what are the things that kind of get out of order? Because here's the thing, when that promise drives your life, it's from the top down. And let me explain what I mean. There's lots of other things that can fight to be that promise, right? It could be the school thing, like it could be an experience like mine where it's like, hey, your, your expectations of life or what you want to have are determined by this promise. Like if you do X, Y, and Z, it equals X, Y, and Z, right? Like if you want to have a fulfilled life and you want to have resources and all these things, you need to do these things. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with going to college, right, there, at all. I, don't hear me say that. I'm not, I'm not dispelling college and school and all of that. But that can't be the only promise we latch on to because many of you might have experienced or you might, or you might be feeling right now that, I mean, if that's the promise you latch on to, you, you get to a spot where I got and it's, it's not going so well. It's, it's maybe let you down or it's not everything you thought it would be. Right? Family is a big one for us. Some people are like, man, if I can get this way myself, I'm like, if, if I can just help my family be the healthiest they can be, if I, if I can just be the best father and husband I can be, right? if, I, if I can just really focus on us and our family unit and keep the toxicity out and all of these, like cut off these relationships, like whatever it is, if I can do that, if I latch onto that promise of family, man, my life's gonna be great. If you've been a part of a family, you know that that will let you down or you will let others down, right? If it hasn't already, right? What, it, what you start to realize is, man, no matter how hard I try, I can't be the best husband. I can't be the best, right? There's, I'm gonna let people down. It's not always gonna go according to plan, right? Maybe the promise that we latch on to is our identity. You know, like, man, if I can just figure out who I am, like I've figured out who I'm supposed to be and I'm just gonna live my life and, and like I'm just not gonna let all the I'm not I'm like gonna put my hater shades on I'm gonna go down this path and I'm gonna like I'm gonna just focus on me and this is who I am and this will get me joy and fulfillment in life and it's great to figure out who you are and your talents and gifts but if you know if you've gone down that path it will probably let you down it's not a totally fulfilling thing Man, maybe it's your purpose in life. You're, you're, maybe you've gone through school and maybe you got the degree and you decided not to use that, but you're like, I need to find my purpose. What am I really passionate about? And sometimes we, we fool ourselves into thinking that, man, if I can, if I can latch onto what I'm passionate about, I'll never have to work a day in my life and all that stuff. It's like, if I can latch onto that, that will bring me fulfillment. If I can latch onto that promise, that will bring me true, true joy. It'll bring me fulfillment. It will get me through life. And like I said, all those things in themselves are not bad, right? But if that's the promise that's driving our life, that's where our decisions start to come from. And I think you also know, like me, when you're trying to focus on one area like that, 
if you're just focused on family or just focused on your career, just focused on this, it starts to become a little messy, right? Because when you're focused on the career, the family, I, I imagine it like I was like in the hull of a boat, a boat and there's like holes in it. Like, I, like oh, I'm doing pretty well. And then a hole, like, right? Oh, I'm not giving enough attention to the family. Just like put my finger in that one, right? And then, oh, there's another leak over here now because I'm focusing on my family too much. And I'm like, well, maybe I need to get back into what I'm passionate about. Like, boop, like, and then pretty soon you run out of things to plug holes with, right? Like that's, that's what's going to happen. And it can start to maybe feel like you're sinking, right? Maybe that's where you focus on something and you feel like life is a little overwhelming in the, in the phase that you're in now because of some of the promises you've latched onto. What's different about the promise of God is this, and I'll get into it in a minute, but it, it shows up differently because God doesn't, and maybe, maybe that's one of the things that you struggle with is, is how God interacts with your life. Like I have to get rid of all these things it's less of God's promise getting rid of all those other things and we're just always in church and singing, hand, you know, holding hands like no one does that, right? What it is is God starts to influence those other areas of our lives and us as imperfect people who let people down, who can't, who can't be the best father, who can't be the best husband, the wife, the I can't be the best friend, the kindest person, I can't be the best at this career. God starts to fill in some of those gaps. When we latch onto the promise of hope, God starts to give us wisdom in those areas to know how to lead our family. What we start to realize is when we latch onto a promise like that of hope that can drive our lives, man, when we latch onto that, it starts to cover those other areas. We start to see that when we latch onto God, the best thing we can actually do for our family, the best thing we can do for our career, the best thing we can do for our identity and our purpose is actually run after Jesus as fast as we can and start to know him, to understand his heart for us to understand the way he cares about people, to understand how our lives should look because of what Jesus did, right, when he died on the cross for our sins. And it starts to show up differently. I remember when I started to do this in my life, when I decided, you know what, this promise is kind of returning empty, if I'm being honest. I'm afraid. I know that if I go do, like, a desk job, I'm probably going to, like, who knows if I'll ever get hired. For one, I'll just have tons of college debt. And, and I might, I don't know if I'll, like, I don't know if I'll do good at it. I might go crazy if I have to sit at a desk. What if I get in a job where my boss is horrible? Like, I don't know. What if I can't make a difference, right? And, and here's the thing that I realized. I'm like, you know, I say that I want to latch onto this promise that God gives me. I say I'm a Christian and, and I want to follow Jesus, but I haven't involved him in this conversation at all. And so I did what any normal person would do. I went and I dropped all my classes. And I called my dad and I said, hey, dad, I dropped all my classes next semester. And my dad was like, you what? And I was like, well... Which probably should have explained that first because I was kind of a wild person. So I did things like that here and there. And they're like, not again. Like, get to tell them to pray for Aaron again, right? Send the email chain out. But they, they were like, they were worried, right? They're like, Aaron has dropped all his classes. And, but my dad, he was awesome. He's like, well, what do you think you're going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like I need to follow God and try to figure out what he wants me to do. I need to start to involve him in that process. And what started to happen in my life was I started to look at the promise of Jesus. And it wasn't a promise that everything was going to be okay, that I was going to have plenty, all this. But what it was a promise is that if I follow Jesus, if I accept his forgiveness, for one, I don't have to live with guilt and shame in my life. The other thing is I don't have to look and say, man, I, I don't have to live with all those, all the guilt, the shame. I don't have to live with the things I'm not happy about with myself or feel like I have to make it happen. Right? I can start to look for God into his promise and the hope that he gives me and see, man, this is what God has planned for my life. This is God influencing my family. Like I can actually follow him and I have hope, if not in this life, in the next of eternity with him. 
So I want to ask the question, what is it that drives your life? Because what I found out is that God had something vastly different planned for me that I've found more fulfillment in than I ever would have thought. And I wish I would have involved him earlier. So I'm going to ask us to do a couple things. I think one is, is ask yourself that question. What promise is driving your life? And, and come at this with an open mind. I'd love to invite you back to this next series, uh, no matter where you are, because you might be following Jesus and realize, I need to like reprioritize, and I need to look and say, I need to let God influence these things from the top down instead of just involving God when it's convenient, right? Maybe you're where I was. Or maybe you're just saying, I, maybe I need to consider that there's something else because I'm trying to make family, the perfect family, the promise, and it hasn't worked. Like, in fact, I'm on round two. Like, I don't know what's happening, right? Maybe it's that, man, I had these expectations for my life, and I thought if I worked hard and I did the grind and I read the books and I, and I invested the money, I could do it, and it's just not turning out. So maybe you're feeling a little stuck. Maybe you're feeling like these promises aren't coming back as filled up as I thought they were. And I want you to ask that question. And as we move into this next series, we're going to look at some of these promises and say, what does God say about family? What does God actually say about expectations? What does he say about having a a different view of God? What does he say about purpose and and our identity in him? What I would ask you to do, no matter where you are, is to to enter those with a clean slate. Not as like a do-over, but in a way that you're like, you know what, I'm going to like kind of put out of my mind the expectations I had. I'm going to put out of my mind what I thought I knew about this or what I thought I knew about God and maybe just enter it with an open mind to a new conversation. And I think this will help us as we move from the moments of wonder to having our moment of wonder with God. Uh, he, he wants us to latch onto his promise like Simeon did where we can have that moment where we're like, we're like, I have seen the salvation, God. I've seen what you're doing in my life and it's good and it's wonderful. Uh, but there's perseverance involved. It's hard. I don't want to get away from that because um, like many of the stories we saw, it can be a long time. I love this verse from Romans. I think it sums it up well here. Um, that process of what it looks like to move from wondering to wonder because it's going to involve sacrifice if we're saying yes to the promise of Jesus. Here's what it says in Romans. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So as you think about that, as you look at it, you know what? It's, it's going to take perseverance, right? If you're in a really tough circumstance right now, if something's going badly and you're not really sure where to go next, right? That might be, there, there might be tragedy things going on, right? Thinking about, man, if I can persevere through that and start to understand the character of God as I latch onto his promise, that turns into hope. All of this stuff, all this stuff, when you do feel that hard work, when you're working through these things, man, that produces hope because we know that God's hope is hope in this life that no matter what happens, we have an eternity with Jesus. And that's the promise that Simeon knew. That's the promise that's available to us. And uh, all we have to do is reach out and take that. So I encourage you to think, what's driving my life? You know, do I need to let God impact that a little more? And maybe can I enter this next conversation with an open mind to see if God might want to interrupt my life uh, and, and move me to a moment of wonder? We'll do that together. It's something that we do all the time. Uh, It's something that God never quits doing with us. I think we have several moments of wonder over our lifetime. If you talk to anybody that's been around for a while. Uh, Guys, we'd love to to help you with this. We'd love um, to talk to you about it. We'd love to pray for you. If you write something on the connection card, you can do that. 
Um, the band's going to give us a little space here to kind of think about this a little bit. So really ponder that question. What's driving my life? And can I maybe have an open mind to what God might be interrupting my life to do in the next couple of weeks here? Let me pray for us. God, we, we love you. God, we, we thank you for an example, uh, as short as it is, of a guy like Simeon who, um, who latched on to a promise that seemed kind of crazy. And we don't know all the details, but we know that that decision drove Simeon's life. And that the payoff, the hope that he saw, was, was Jesus. And that was hope for him, and it was hope for all people. And now the promise that we have to latch on to, to let drive our lives, is just that. A Savior who loves us, who creates us, who gives us identity, who already has a purpose for us, who already loves us, no matter what, God. Um, we are thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for Christmas where we get to look a little more intently at that and maybe be a little more open. So God, help us to consider what's really driving our lives. Help us to look to you to ask if we need to rearrange things a little bit, if we maybe just need to even open our minds to the possibility that you might want to interrupt our lives and move us to a moment of wonder. We love you, Jesus. We thank you uh, for the work that you do in our lives. Amen. Amen.